Turtle, what's going on? How you doing today? Mr. Matthew, all is good, man. You know, just another another day, another dollar, just getting through the week, planning to play some pickleball tonight if it doesn't rain, but all is good. How about you? You doing good? I'm good. I'm good. So you've been, I mean, we were talking last weekend too. You keep bringing up this pickle pickleball thing. I've never, I've never played. Give me, give me the rundown. What, what are you going to tell me about why I should be interested and convert me over to, to playing this sport? Absolutely. Well, what is it? I'll tell you, first off, it is the fastest growing sport in the United States of America right now. Okay. They're building courts endlessly all over the place. But really what it is, it's a mixture of ping pong and tennis. And it's played on like um, a smaller court than a tennis court with a smaller net. But it's very fun team sport where basically there's a line that you're not allowed to go inside of. And you're trying to just beat the other team by getting it by them. And it's played with a wiffle ball, played with some paddles, and it's extremely, extremely fun. And, you know, you know how in, like, tennis you have to chase balls down? Yeah. In pickleball, you don't. It's very quick-moving games, and it's a lot It's a lot of, you know, hand-eye coordination. I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the professional athletes start. What's your skill level? Uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely intermediate, getting to be better and better each day. It's, uh, it's crazy, too, because pickleball is uh, – it's a more older older school game with like an older um, demographic, but now the younger crowd's starting to come in. But you go out onto them courts and you're playing against guys that are like 80 years old, and they're just unbelievable because they know exactly. <laughs> no, I'm serious. They know exactly where to hit the ball so that you can't get it, and it's insane. Okay, I guess I'll have to look it up on YouTube or something, try it out, see what we got in the area. Fun game. All right. Uh, yeah, it's it's. We got we got to move, right? You know, we're not we're not NFL athletes, but we gotta we gotta keep moving if we want to be around. So pickleball, I'll have to give it a try. Yeah. So turtle, you know, we'll 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 air some dirty laundry here. You and I haven't been seeing eye to eye recently in the uh, in the league chat. Some trade's been going down. Um, anything you want to bring to light, and, and and we'll hash it out on air. No, I don't think that we've been disagreeing too much. I mean, I know that you weren't, at least you made it seem to be like you weren't the biggest fan of my Deshaun Watson trade yesterday. So but, well, uh, for the listeners, it, was, it, was a, it wasn't a big trade, but, uh, but give us the optics of the trade. I mean, it was a decently sized trade. I, um, I gave I mean, up. I mean, just in terms of moving parts. It was oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Two, two for two, two for two. Um, I gave up Trey Lance and I gave up A.J. Brown. And I received DK Metcalf and Deshaun, a.k.a. the suspension, Watson. Uh-huh. And I was very happy about it because, you know, I have been getting uh, blocked out of getting that elite-style quarterback. Um, so with that trade, I, you know, I, I think I, I got into that tier, even if it's going to take a little bit of, uh, of time if there you is had, you had Trey, You had Trey Lance. You just, and before Trey, you had Aaron Rodgers. You just, those guys weren't cutting it for you. No, they weren't cutting it for me. Aaron Rodgers, 38 years old, in a dynasty, kind of scared me off. Um, also doesn't have the uh, greatest wide receiver room. And then Trey Lance is just an absolute unknown. Um, so I just picked the uh, proven proven commodity with uh, Watson. I think I downgraded a little bit at wide receiver on paper, but DK and A.J. Brown are the same exact age. And once DK gets that quarterback, I think that – the sky is the limit for him, and he will be a top, easy top ten dynasty wide receiver. Yeah, I mean they're the same tier in my mind, same round, same draft class. Um, one has a better QB probably this year, but longer term it'll probably flip it, flip the switch, and, and if Seattle does something, then uh, DK's arrow will be pointing up once again. Right now, it, no, my my thing and I, what I expressed in the chat is I think it's high likelihood that he's suspended. Um, for a decent amount of time, possibly a year, you think it's going to be much less than that. My my assessment of the trade was that um, Noah probably won for 2022, and then once the suspension kind of washes out, uh, it's probably smooth sailing for you know beyond that. If that, if that's midway through 22 or 23 and beyond, the the commodity that is Deshaun Watson though was just one where I if I owned him I don't think I was selling but but if I owned him I don't think I was 
or if I didn't have him, rather, I don't think I was buying either. I was very surprised to see him on the move. Uh, but I understand your logic trying to jump into that tier. Yeah. If you do get a little cold feet on Deshaun Watson, I think he is going to be a hard commodity to to trade unless you're um, selling to a team that can afford to, to hold him. Either he's the third QB or it's on a rebuild and they're like, hey, I need a dynasty um, QB, they have a long shelf life, I'm fine trading for him, which, you know, there could be a market. It's just not going to be all 12 teams. In a yeah, market. and I, I think that, and that's the crazy thing with it, with Trey Lance and Deshaun, they're very similar. Not a lot of people are in the market to buy Trey Lance right now, and not a lot of people are in the market to sell Trey Lance right now. It's the same kind of concept because we haven't seen what Trey can do. I mean, we had the smallest of sample sizes with the guy. Um, so I figured, you know what? Let me set myself up with success with a proven QB, even if there is a suspension looming, which I am pretty sure there will be. Um, but you know what? It's dynasty. There's, there's, um, you don't need to win right now. You just need to stack the chips and get the right pieces in place to hopefully win later in the year. Yeah, and we're in a weird spot of the offseason where news is kind of sporadic. OTAs has started, and we're getting some some pieces of info, but... Until there's some definitive stuff, there's going to be guys like Lance with question marks around him and his starting status, Deshaun and his starting status, that the, the, the price is it's not really shifting. It's just kind of almost frozen. So um, you may or may not get uh, larger interest than normal in those types of players. Now, speaking of, of off-season and, and OTA news and stuff, we're going to wrap up the pod today with a segment totally dedicated to the uh, fluff and the puff pieces that is this time of year, this silly type of season where beat writers are just putting things out without much filter, uh, headline grabbers, we as a starved fantasy news starved community are gobbling it up and just loving every minute of it, and Turtle and I are both going to give you two guys that are trade targets based solely on these puff pieces. So take it with a grain of salt or go trade for these guys if you actually like what you have to hear. But before we get there, we're going to continue with our division-by-division breakdown with stock up and stock down. Players, the risers and the fallers, one from each of us on each team in each category based on all the news that has transpired, draft, free agency, and then the news coming out of OTAs um, for these teams. The next stop is going to be the AFC South. So we're going to have the Jaguars, the Titans, the Colts, and the Texans to step through today. And as we always do, Turtle, I'll throw it over to you to choose the team that we want to start with. What do you got? I like the Tennessee Titans to start. Okay. And let's start with stock up. Let's start on a positive note. Who do you got for the stock up Tennessee Titans? I have Traylon Burks. Okay. And there's a few reasons behind why I think his stock is up. Um, Well, first off, the departure of A.J. Brown leaves a massive hole in targets. So I think Traylon is one of the guys, one of the rookies, I should say, that can 100% be peppered with targets and start producing on day one. Um. The good thing about Traylon is he just was such an elite college player. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually had 8.5 yards per average um, after the catch, which is great. Um, I'm very excited to see what he can do. The other thing with Tra- with Traylon Burks is the Robert Woods situation. Robert Woods just changed teams. We know that uh, wide receivers that change teams typically have down years, and he's coming off of an ACL injury. And he just turned 30. So I think Robert Woods will be a good player, but it's very hard to project um, what his numbers will be coming off of those injuries and the change of scenery. So the other thing about Burks is that I just think that he has the ability to be that possession and yards after catch prototypical NFL receiver, and I think he can do it quite quickly. Um it is a run-first offense, and that's why I think that the play action, if they can establish the play action and then just get Traylon Burks across the middle with quick quick slant routes, I think that he'll be extremely effective. 
So, I mean, that's really why I think Traylon Burks is just an absolute stock-up type player. I know it's hard to expect the world from a rookie, but if there is one rookie that I would put some serious stock into and think about trading for, it would be Burks with that situation. Yeah, he doesn't have uh, a really big depth chart to climb um, to get to the number one spot. I will personally stick with the wide receiver room and uh, I'm going Robert Woods for my stock up, and I'll I'll explain why, obviously. But to continue on on the Traylon Burks piece, um, like I was saying, he doesn't have a lot to to climb to get to that number one spot. I do think the veteran is going to get the nominal, um, you know, nod from the coaching staff that that he is the number one. That the veteran being Robert Woods, mm-hmm. and they're going to make Burks work for it, but. I mean, he's a first-round wide receiver. He is big, and they moved, you know, a, a cornerstone stud in AJ Brown to get him, um, or replaced a cornerstone stud with him, thinking it's going to be a one-for-one. And like you said, it's going to be hard to expect the world from him today. But if you're liking what you're hearing so far, um, and, and that's why he's your stock up. Let me let me give you some of what I'm thinking for Robert Woods. When when I look at how he did in in LA with the Rams, I think the first thing with him moving from that wide receiver room to the Titans wide receiver room was he escaped um, a much, much more crowded wide receiver room and then landed in one with a hell of a lot more opportunity and less competition. Now, despite the... The more crowded room in, you know, with Cooper Cup and, um, of course, Odell was there last year and Van Jefferson and others. Um, tight ends like Higby fairly involved. They keep their running backs fairly involved. Now he's moving to an offense where the, the running back isn't used that heavily. But despite all that, the, the, his first, or his age 26, 27, and 28 season, which was four, three, and two years ago, he was 130, 139, and 129 targets. And then, of course, he played nine games last year and ended on 70 targets. So if he had played 15 or 16 games, he, he would have been, again, um, you know, 100-plus targets. He's a guy who, even in that crowded um, wide receiver core, was commanding at least 100-plus targets. I think he walks into the Tennessee Titans room and... It's a smaller pie. That's that's one concession that we we really have to come to terms with is the passing pie is going to be much smaller than L.A. But he's going to have a larger portion of this smaller pie, and it might equate to some of those same numbers. Um, I think the the, um, the it's not the route tree. It's the receiving tree in terms of how far it's going to be spread. Uh, in, in this particular situation, I think it's going to be narrow. It's going to be Burks, it's going to be Woods, and it's going to be Hooper um, getting probably the majority of the, the passing work. And I, and I think Woods has a good chance to be the, the king of those three. So, you know, when, when I look at that and, and combine that with, with Burks, maybe the news on him struggling a little bit with some of the conditioning, and, and that's fine. Like, that's just a rookie coming to terms with the with the requirements of the NFL, but also by all accounts, his rehab going fairly well, um, getting on the field so quickly, um, despite injuring himself fairly, you know, mid to late in the season, um, by all accounts, it's going spectacular. That's just why I chalked him up as, as a winner and overall stock up for the Titans. Yeah, I like that. But don't you agree that it might be a little bit difficult to just come in to a new role, a new team, new, new scheme, um, and dominate, especially coming off of an ACL injury. That's why I just figured that Burks is healthy. He's he's hungry, um, you know. So I think it can go either way. To be honest with you, it could. It it's could. It, it could. And I'm glad we highlighted both of them. Yeah. Uh, I, I think maybe the the veteran knowledge um, is going to get him on the mental side of of the game much more quicker than than Burks maybe picking it up. And then yeah, it's it's down to are there any physical limitations for him to really step into it. But 
when I think about stock up, I'm thinking, okay, where was his stock when he was a member of the Rams at the end of last season, and where is his stock now? And I would say, you know, incrementally, uh, or even if it's incrementally, it has gone up uh, just because of, you know, everything I mentioned, less competition and uh, maybe the, the other folks there just not being uh, as spectacular in his biggest competition being a rookie. I I like it. I, I like it better than trying to trying to become the one on a team with, with Cooper Cup. That's for sure. Makes sense, yeah. All right, let's stick with them. Stock down. What are you thinking? You said it earlier in your analysis, and the answer to the question, in my brain at least, is Austin Hooper. Okay. It's pretty simple, to be honest with you. Um, he also is on a new team, so he has to develop that relationship with Tannenhill. The thing that really stuck out to me is that no Titans in 2021 season saw more than 45 targets. So I don't think there's a huge target share for him to be had. And I think that one of these other random wide receivers will come out um, and be superior. Maybe a guy like Kyle Phillips, who's a rookie. I think he actually has a more uh, easier route to getting targets. Um, Hooper's kind of a low-ceiling player. He's never really had an elite tight end performance, and I think that he'll continue that trend. I don't think that he will sneak into the top 10 um, tight ends in all of the NFL. So for that reason, I think he's down. If if he's your tight end one in a tight end premium league, I think that you're in in the world of hurt. (laughs) I hope he's not a tight end. Anyone's tight end one, despite it being... uh, He could be, though. Yeah, I guess he could be. He could be. Yeah, especially, you know, there's some leagues where you got to start two tight ends, so he could be someone's, you know, everyday starter. That that would be a little rough. Um, you know, I think he'll have a decent part of uh, of the pie, just lack of competition and, and all that. But uh, with the size of the pie being what it is, and personally me thinking maybe Derrick Henry gets uh, 50 targets or so in the passing game, a little bump for him. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a lot left to go around. Uh, so my stock down was, and and this is, is from a dynasty perspective, was Ryan Tannehill. Um, when I look at it, a couple things. He lost his primary weapon, and despite backfilling it with Burks, that's a downgrade that I think we need to seriously take into effect. Um, if what I think with Robert Woods, his stock going up and, possibly being a number one on this team, um, that's also bad. I mean, having Robert Woods as as a team's number one wide receiver, um, great for Robert Woods, not great for the quarterback in terms of that's my number one guy. I think Woods is better served as as a number two. And I don't know, did we just see uh, Tannehill's successor get drafted in the third round this past draft in Malik Willis? And Tannehill coming out and saying, you know, some less than leadership savvy things. He's not responsible for guiding and training Malik. Uh, just some interesting stuff. I think we might be seeing the beginning of the end here in the current version of this Titans team. You got Tannehill getting older. You got certainly Derrick Henry getting older. Um, as soon as Derrick Henry ages out, the 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 play action efficiency that has allowed Tannehill to to be fantasy relevant these past few years, I think goes out the window because you just can't have someone walk on um, that is anywhere close to to what Derrick Henry brought to set up that play action um, part of Tannehill's game. And and when that goes away, it's going to be a totally new offense. That's going to be question marks across the board. And who knows, could we see the Titans just say, you know what, Henry's gone. We got Malik here. He's been on the bench for one or two years. He's ready to go. And all of a sudden, Tannehill's out of a job. So for me, it's short-term weapons downgrade. And then from a dyno standpoint, I think his stock's down just because things are going to be changing in Tennessee from from what they have been uh, the past few years and what we'll see this year. And I don't know that Tannehill survives that change. Any thoughts on that, Turtle? No, that makes complete sense. I do think that the Tannehill error is over. I know that Malik Willis being drafted so late kind of inspires hope in Ryan Tannehill, but it's not to say that if Malik Willis shows a lot of promise and the team really thinks that he could be successful, they won't move on from Tannehill. Uh-huh. So I like it. All right, let's, uh, 
Let's keep it moving. We'll uh, talk about the Jaguars. Why don't we? Um, stock up for me. It's uh, it's on the tip of everyone's tongues right now. It's Travis Etienne. Uh, he's all the buzz. You know, this past week, uh, I think he's he's been someone that you you really can't avoid hearing in terms of, oh, you know, look at this guy. He's returning to form. He's um, he's going to be a breakout RB. Um, all those sorts of things. I hope it's true. I certainly do. The The injury that he went through and the, the particulars of that injury and the recovery process was a long, grueling one. Um, even earlier this offseason, he was only at 85%, 90%. So he's back out there on the field. He's catching passes. He's running. Um, he's not doing a whole lot of cutting, a whole lot of um, normal things that RBs do, but he is showing um, speed after the catch. All, all good things that you want to see. I think while you know we need to temper expectations a little bit, you know, for all accounts, he is a rookie. He missed his entire rookie season, um, and as we've pounded the table on again and again in this podcast, is we've been spoiled with rookie performances the past few seasons. Um, Things like Najee Harris don't generally happen. We are not going to see Brees Hall replicate a Najee Harris season where he goes in, um, leads essentially the league in, in targets. Uh, like uh, it was either him or Fournette who was leading the league last year in, in targets. Turtle uh, Najee, I'm, I'm talking about. Go in, own what 85 percent of the the rushing load or more. Those sorts of things generally do not happen, and we won't see it this year. Now, if we treat ETN as a rookie, um, we need to temper our expectations coming off the injury, um, essentially producing like we should expect a rookie to produce, which is um, getting some of the workload, maybe being the lead in a committee, but generally not even the Jonathan Taylors of the world, their rookie season, are brought in. And given given the keys like like Najee was, that was a very one off scenario. So despite all that, you know, I think we should view him as as uh, maybe a more front end of the RB twenties or the high teens. Where as before all of this positive news, he was probably outside of the RB two category. He might have been somewhere between RB twenty four to twenty eight. Um, I think he's had a steady rise maybe into the low 20s, you know, RB19 to 21 range, which is, to me, um, you know, clearly a riser, clearly a stock-up guy, uh, that the health is there, that um, hopefully, you know, Doug Peterson comes in and makes the team more competitive. Travis, uh, Trevor Lawrence, rather, gets better. And, um, you know, they rekindle the, the, the connection. He's doing a lot of work as a receiver, which helps to get him on the field, uh, especially if we treat this like a true rookie season. Being on the field catching passes um, can only mean good things, and if he shows well there in game situations, maybe he'll get more of the rushing workload. And by end of season, who knows um, what, what we could be talking about with Travis Etienne going into 2023. But first things first, Clear riser, um, probably, uh, uh, like I said, the 19 to 21 range of RB up from the high 20s, which is probably one of the bigger risers um, of any RB this offseason. Yeah, that is my riser as well. I mean, there is a breakout on the horizon, and it starts with ETN. I I really love this guy. I think that he's going to be an absolute stud in the NFL and I don't really necessarily agree with the take that he's going to have to be um, ushered into the rushing game, especially if James Robinson isn't healthy, coming off of an Achilles injury, which, as we know, takes quite a, quite a long time to recover from. We also got spoiled with Cam Akers coming back the same season that he tore his Achilles, and I do not think that's going to happen for Robinson. I think James Robinson won't see the field for, for uh, quite a few months um, once the season starts. So I think Etienne is going to get a lot of the work. I think he's going to get a lot of the receiving work. And, yeah, he is definitely one of the biggest risers that I see, not only because I have him on my team, but just because it's all pointing up in his direction. His college quarterback was Trevor Lawrence. They already have an established relationship. They already have a built trust. And as long as he can stay healthy, I think that he will be absolutely incredible. 
Okay. Well, let's stick with you. Who do you got for your stock down on the Jaguars? Stock down. I have the one and only LaVishka Chenault. Oh. It's tough because, you know, we saw what the Jags did in the offseason. They signed Christian Kirk to an absolute monstrosity of a deal. And then they also went out and got Zay Jones, who has proven to be pretty decent in the NFL. Um, I'd rather just follow the money at this point. So I'll, I'll, I'll follow the money and, and go where those wide receivers go. That kind of leaves LaVishka on the outside looking in, not to mention um, Doug Peterson just came out and said that LaVishka is going to be returning punts. You know the crazy thing about LaVishka is that people were spending early second-round draft capital on him um, two years ago, and the players that were getting drafted ahead of him, or behind him, I should say, were guys like A.J. Dillon, Brandon Ayuk, and, and uh, Antonio Gibson. I don't really see a huge target share for the guy. I don't know even know if he's going to be getting on the field too often unless there's an injury to one of those other wide receivers that we just mentioned. Um, so I think that his numbers are expected to drop from last season, which he had 63 receptions for 619 yards and a golden goose egg touchdown. I think the numbers will drop. Okay, so he's, he's not scoring a touchdown goose egg? He had a goose egg last year. Okay. That's and, what I'm saying. And this year, like, is he even going to make the team? I don't know. I mean, if he's if he's if he's um, a dynamic punt returner and kick returner, they're definitely going to keep him around because those are hard to come by. And they don't have um, our boy Jamal Agnus. the Hip Agnuski because he has a decimated hip, like two. Oh, of them. yeah, he's got the, the old Agnuski hip, the life <laughs> alert, like James James White too, old life alert club. Yeah. Yep. Life alert, gang, gang. Now, I'm going to stick with the same thing. RB room. Uh, sorry. Wide receiver room for the Jaguars. It's Marvin Jones Jr. I mean, to me, talk about the definition of a roster clogger. This guy is old. Um, like you said, there's been big money splashed out on his newfound competition. Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram even, catching yep. passes and, and seemingly um, positive things coming out on him, how he's looking in the offseason. Now, of course, we said ETN. The expectation there is he's going to grab a bunch of passes. Um, I disagree that he's going to get the rushing workload, but I think we're talking Marvin Jones down. ETN is certainly competition there with the other wide receivers in the tight end group. I mean, to me, it's yuck. It's that, that's when I think Marvin Jones Jr., I'm thinking yuck because I look at him on my roster, if he's, if he's there sitting somewhere on my bench, and I'm like, I'd rather cut him i'd rather cut him and and have a dart throw on on someone else i mean i give me a udfa running back who has a chance to make make a team over um someone like that it's i i don't know i i really don't think there's much there the competition's there um why do i want the fourth or fifth option in the passing game for the jacksonville jaguars Ugh. Just, yeah, it's sad. I, I, can't, I can't get I can't get my head around it. Yeah, it's actually it's sad to see though because him and Trevor Lawrence had by far the best connection out of anybody else on the team. So, I mean, certainly, but last yeah. year was a train wreck. And train wreck. The, the train coaching wreck. the coaching staff is totally different. Um, and I don't. I honestly, I don't know that Marvin is going to be viewed the same way by by this current coaching staff based on the moves the front office made. Oh, yeah. I'm not advocating for Marvin Jones. It's just a damn shame because he is getting older. But um, it is it was plain to see that he definitely had the best um, relationship with uh, Trevor Lawrence, which I think is going to absolutely turn into be out, turning into being either Kirk or Zay Jones. Yeah, I, I think Kirk's gobbling up a lot of stuff um, from the videos that I've seen. I mean, he's going to turn into Starvin Marvin because he's going to get no target love this year. <laughs> love that. All right, so want to hit up the Colts next? Yeah, you know who it is. Stock up. I think Maddie, we got different guys. Maddie Wiener Crayon. Oh, no, we don't. We got the same guy. Really? Yep, it's got to be Wiener Crayon. He has such a huge upgrade from him being on the Falcons last season and for however many seasons he played for the Falcons. Dude, he, it is full eggplant emoji. Yeah, 100%. Well, the thing with him, though, is now, being on the Colts, he has a pretty much a top-notch offensive line and an incredibly amazing running back. So just those two things alone, 
is going to upgrade him and give um, him the ability to really, you know, I think he he, he had almost he almost had four thousand yards. He didn't he didn't surpass it last year. I think that he has a an easy chance to get those numbers up to probably forty six hundred yards and twenty five touchdowns, maybe holy even more. Holy, holy moly! I think that he's going to do well, even at the even with the even with the huge run run heavy um, Colts Colts team. Okay, um, we're talking about a guy in Matt Ryan who, as Michael Pittman said this week, he can put it wherever he wants, wherever. I mean, so this is a guy, he's, what it sounds like to me, he's turning back the clock. And um, so Matt Ryan historically has alternated good season, bad season, good season, bad season. He didn't have a great one last year. I think we're going to see a good season by his standards this year. Great offensive line. We know he's immobile, so it's imperative that he's behind a good offensive line. I think the weapons have improved. Um, The run game here is going to be setting up the pass game. And who better to set up the run game for you uh, to set up your passing success than Jonathan Taylor? Uh, you got Michael Pittman. You got, uh, they spent a second round pick on Pierce. You got r- three larger athletic tight ends. Uh, you have uh, kind of savant in the passing game out of the backfield and Naheem Hines. And, and we know that Matt Ryan likes to check it down and, and use his backfield um, players as weapons, and who knows? I'm not going to ring the bell for Paris Campbell, but you know, if he stays healthy, there's there's definitely worse number number threes in the league than, than a healthy and athletic Paris Campbell. So, when you look at what he had last year with Russell Gage essentially his number one, I mean, and and not much help at all. Um, after that, I mean, Cordero Patterson really kind of was doing his thing mostly uh, after Gage, uh, night and day. It's night and day, especially with the with when we talk about the offensive line, giving him give him the time to put it wherever he wants. So, yeah, he's he's a stock up for me. I I think he's um, he's one of those guys who just if we're looking at his stock at the end of last year and his stock now, I, I don't know how you argue against him being stock up. Yep. The crazy thing about them is that their receiving room's average height is probably like six four, six five. Yeah, so he's got some big red zone targets for Jonathan Taylor to really just punch it up the field and then just play action, boom, drop it right into the bread basket with one of these big, big old wide receivers or tight ends. Yeah, and I don't want to like go crazy on the hype here. I I think the Indianapolis Colts, outside of Jonathan Taylor is a very, very average to below average weapons in terms of, you know, what's at the disposal. I think it's an upgrade over what he had last year. And I think he is a good, smart quarterback who is going to make the most of of what's at his disposal. So um, I'm not saying go overdraft these players, but what I am saying is uh, Ryan the individual in a super flex league, He's he's not bad to have as a as a QB two dart throw, or grabbing him sooner than your league mates for your QB three depth, especially if you're like I said two QB or super flex league. Agreed fully. Stock down. I mean, I don't even know if I can really say this without getting accosted, but my stock down is Jonathan Taylor. Makes sense. I understand why. I do. It's an easy one for me, too. It's so easy why he's down. Because when you're at the top, there's only one direction to go. There's only one direction to go. And guess what? That's where he started the trend. Historically, RB1s do not repeat. At least for the past 10-plus seasons, there's been no fantasy RB1 who's repeated as the fantasy RB1. I don't think he's going to break that trend the coaching staff is talking up the usage of, of Naheem Hines. I think there's probably a look at his usage last year. And when, last season for the Colts boiled down to one game. Week 18 of the season, last game of the season against the Jacksonville Jaguars, win and you're into the playoffs and they blew it. A lot of that blame was, was laid at the feet of Carson Wentz. And I, I challenge each and every one of you to go back, look at that box score. Jonathan Taylor had a very, very poor game. 
And I think they'll probably look at that and they say and say we need to keep this guy a little bit fresher because if we think we were within striking distance last year, we laid an egg. Otherwise, we would have made the playoffs. And this QB is going to get us over the hump of getting there. They're going to need a, a running back and Jonathan Taylor, who's who's able to make a huge contribution in the playoffs. I don't think that he is going to see that same workload. One because. Um, Matt Ryan is going to be there to pass the ball, not to hand it off. They're, they didn't trade for him to hide him like they did Carson Wentz down the stretch. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of new targets in this offense that we were just talking about from the tight end room to the second-round rookie who uh, to Naheem Hines who are going to, you know, need to be fed. And those are going to be plays that used to be handoffs to Taylor that are now going to be passes. Some of them may go to Taylor, but most of them are going to be spread around, lightening his load a little bit, keeping him fresh for the long run. So if there's a win and in scenario, they can make sure that he's going to have a good game. And if they get into the playoffs, know that he's going to be juicy enough for that stretch run. Because believe me, that's why they went out and got Matt Ryan. They thought he was the final piece to move him over that hump to make the playoffs. And to me, with all that said, we're talking fantasy here. It's a smart decision from a, a real-life standpoint. But Taylor, I think it can't get any better than the top, so it's stocked down. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I don't think the guy's going to finish anything besides a top-five um, running back this year. So I understand that it's a stock down just because he's got nowhere else to go. Um, but Jonathan Taylor is going to still be Jonathan Taylor, and I think that he's still Arguably the most dominant running back in the NFL this year. Sure. Um, but, but we shall see. I like it. All right, and you're stocked down. You know who it is. It's your boy that they speak about every single year for the past couple of years. Paris Campbell. <laughs> the Poor guy, too. The guy's best season. I mean, giving. I understand that it's been extremely injury-riddled, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Not everybody can stay healthy in the NFL. It is a man's man's game. Um, his best NFL season was as followed. 162 yards on 10 receptions. That is his best. best. That is his best NFL season. Internally, you know, you know how his season ended this past year. I believe he caught a fifty-yard bomb touchdown. Hey, man, broke his foot or something. I mean, I like. I mean, I'm not saying I don't like the guy. I feel bad for the guy. I think that if he can stay on the field, he can be a good weapon for Matt Ryan this year. But. At but it what, walks the second-round rookie. Exactly. Alec Pierce comes right in. He's going to snag up all those targets. So my whole thinking is, at what point do you just fully give up on a player? Can Paris Campbell be a guy that's on your waiver wire, or is he still somebody that we're going to consider not a roster clogger? To me, he's a roster clogger at this point. So what, what would your advice be to to the owners out there of a guy like Paris Campbell? Is it cut him let someone else grab the headache or um i guess you gotta see i i I guess like i i wouldn't be happy guy rostering paris campbell but that's that's what i'm saying everybody fluffs up the idea that paris campbell is still this guy that can be such an impact player um i think i think liam actually said it in the chat earlier he's like oh paris campbell season and i'm just like okay um no my advice would be see what he does week one if he's not hurt maybe give him another week but for the most part, I think you can find a guy on the wide receiver like a Jawan Jennings, who shouldn't be on the waiver wire in our league, to be honest with you, um, in case Debo does still end up getting traded. But that's neither here nor there. I, t- I would take a shot on one of those other guys that could be a better fit in uh, yeah. in an offense. And, you know, they, they, they got Kiki QT, who, who's always, you know, he's a little bit of a slot maven. He'll gobble up targets if he gets on the field. And you got Big Mike Straken from last year, right? That's my boy. Yeah, that's my I boy. I, I, I like, like that guy. I drafted I, him originally. Yeah, I know. I, I now he's you know he's a seventh round, I believe, draft pick. But, <laughs> yeah, know, he, he, he's sticking around. Who who knows how things are going to fall, especially if there's that almost like clockwork Paris Campbell injury in front. So, um, and one final thing on the. Jonathan Taylor piece, right, was they went out uh, was it a week or two ago, and they, they grabbed Philip Lindsay. 
Does that? Yeah. Uh, what does that mean to you when it's like you have a guy like Jonathan Taylor? Is are you like why are you even signing a veteran running back into this group, or is it just like well, it's a numbers game? They need they need warm bodies in that room, and, and it doesn't bother you, or is it like well? That kind of spells like a potential breather, a non-Naheem Hines breather back so that they keep him fresher for the long run. What What do you think? Yeah, it's like that same situation in um, Philadelphia, I feel like. Yeah. Um, with a guy like – no, actually, I, I, yeah, it could be like Philadelphia. It could be like the Jets also where it's like you don't know that if Jonathan Taylor goes down, Naeem Hines is the guy that they're going to plug and play. Just like in, just like in New York Jets, like they're not plugging in Michael Carter. Just like in um, – I guess Philly's a little different because Miles Sanders could be an every down back. He's just not very good at um, – but, yeah, I think that that might be the play is just in case Taylor goes down, they can't stick uh, Naeem Hines right in there to do every down back type – Role, so they need Philip Lindsay in case something happens. I think, right? What else? What else could it be? I don't know why you sign a guy like Lindsay unless you plan to use him. Because, I, you know, he's he's not a player that you know you you just bring in to to sit there. You know, he's it's not like you might as well just sign some UDFA if you're trying to make up warm bodies, right? He seems yeah. like someone who is going to get some touches. So you're down on Jonathan Taylor. I respect it. I just have a problem with, and this is more philosophical, is if you have um, traded for, if, if you did a startup draft and you drafted them, whatever, like you take a 101, that's fine. If you want to trade your 101 for a bunch of other picks in your startup draft, that's fine. But if you don't have Jonathan Taylor and you trade for him, you need to pay you can't pay fair market value. You got to go above and beyond to get that original owner to actually do the trade. Yeah, I mean, in and our league, he gets passed around like a crazy person. And everyone's paying hand over fist. Now the yeah. problem is that's all been done. There was one team that had him all last year, and then there's been a bunch of trades with him this off season, which is minimal impact, right? Yep. Now, if you're the guy who holds him as you enter the year, you've overpaid and you've put a lot of eggs in a singular basket and that's a bet that if you that if you lose that bet you lose your season for me you know me tyler we we have philosophical discussions on a lot of players with variance risk profiles and you know if we're talking about a highly risky player trey lance deshaun watson etc you already know before asking me what my stance is going to be of course Even, even travis Etienne with the foot you know how it scares me I, I got well wishes for the kids, but you know how I feel about risk averse and to put so, so that's one thing where those those players aren't going to cost you as much as as a Jonathan Taylor would. Not that Jonathan Taylor is a risk injury player, but the the risk assessment is different. Where it's like if something goes wrong here, it's like a portfolio and putting eighty percent of your stock into a single company. If it goes one way, it's awesome. If it goes the other way, it's catastrophic, right? So for me, I'm not willing to really I should say at the running back position make that bet. At at, because I I probably historically uh, you know, with disclosure, I did a huge overpay, potential overpay, um, for Justin Jefferson, which I'm happy with because Wide receivers are going to play for a decade. You hope to get half of that out of a running back. So different strokes for different folks, but just a little bit more. I I, I wanted to answer. I'm not like down, down on Jonathan Taylor. I think he's great. In terms of me ever having to pay to acquire him, it's just not not a move that I personally would make. I get it. I completely get it. And um, If I had the 101 and I'm keeping it, I'm drafting him. Yeah, of course. In a startup. It is crazy to think how how um, different personalities play fantasy football because I'm the complete opposite. I'll take the risk on guys because I think that the guys that have some of the risk um, associated with them have a really big upside if it hits. And you oh, know, of course, that's why that's why of I think course. like it, I, and I I respect both sides of the coin because it is extremely smart to play the the risk game, but it's also extremely fun. To play the let's take a risk game, you know. I know, but I'll. T- and it's not like I don't 
take no, you do. You do. Risk, you, have, right? you have a bunch of risks on your team. If, you have you have Tony on your team. You got exactly. John Dotson on your team. You got a bunch of risks on your team. I was team. literally going to bring up Tony. Yeah. Um, because that's the type of risk player that I like to take. Of look course. At, look at the difference between that risk profile, right? The cost to acquire a Tony, while it's not going to be cheap, it might even cost you a future first-round pick. Um, likely it would. The... It, it, it pales in comparison to the cost to acquire those other plays. And guess what? If Tony flames out, you know, I'd rather have spent um, one future first than, than three to four or two plus um, another good player to acquire someone else who, who flames out or, or uh, gets injured, right? So for me, it's the, the riskiness on maybe the cheaper options but have immense upside where even if the likelihood that they don't reach that upside is higher than you know a proven a proven stud who the the main risk is injury i'm willing to take you know 3 to 4 to 5 shots on those other guys and feel pretty confident that i'll hit on one of them and that will outweigh um you know the 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 other options so that's the way i look at it you know you know i got you know, Mechie, who's coming off an injury. I got Tony, as you said. I got Pickens, who, you know, by week one, he could be in the starting lineup or he could be off the team. Like, like I got, I like to embrace risk, but I like to do it um, at the lowest price possible. Of course. It, ma- it makes sense completely. That's where you're going to get those, those big profit centers. That's for sure. Yeah, you're right. All right, so last team, but not least, in the division are our favorite Houston Texans. Um, and our favorite is, you know, everyone likes to pig pile on them. But there's actually some, some, some talent here um, when, when you look at this team a little bit closely. Uh, my stock up was the quarterback, Davis Mills. I think the Texans this offseason, you know, they, they made – a statement on how they felt about Mills in the in the QB moves that were made, and essentially what was made is is none. The, their lack of moves um, in the draft, in the free agency, in the trades, and the availability of players really showed that, at least for this season, Davis Mills got the reins. So so for me, he's he's a stock up short term. Um, that's for sure. He's, his position is solidified. I think he also got some talent weapons um, to play with. Some talented weapons. Uh, I I feel good about Brevin Jordan. I think he's athletic. I'd, I'd like to have that type of outlet on a tight end over over a lot of other tight end types out there. Um, I think Mechie is going to be a great player. They went and traded up for him in the draft. Uh, I love when teams trade up to get players in, in day one or day two. Uh, the after day three really doesn't quite move the needle for me, but day one, day two picks who were traded up for uh, bodes well because. The team has not only shown an interest in them, but but they're almost kind of they've played themselves into a corner where they need to now reciprocate uh, that that perceived um, trust that was already placed in them by by playing them. So I think Mechie is going to going to have a big role when he's back. And I mean, you know, Brandon Cooks he's he's a, he's a steady he's a steady guy. He's he's anyone's idea. Of, of, of a plug-and-play um, wide receiver, too. And, and that's great for a young guy um, like Mills. And I also, you know, I don't hate what they did in the RB room. Uh, we, As we said before with Ryan, setting up the pass with the run is a good thing. And, you know, I mean, we can crap on Marlon Mack and all that, but, hey, it was much better than what they were running out there, that ragtag group of players last season, to have Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce now in the backfield. Um, that's an upgrade. So for me, Mills, arrow pointing up year over year. I like the guy for uh, Dynasty, uh, QB two in a pinch, but most likely I like him for depth as my QB three. I like it. It makes sense. And my stock up is none other than Davis Longneck's best friend, Brandon Cooks. All right. He is a model of consistency year over year. We can just call him Mr. Reliable, to be honest with you, because he's great. And you know what? This is the first year in a couple of years where he hasn't had to move teams in the offseason or during the season. Um, and in those years, um, <clears throat> in those years, he's had a 1,000-plus-yard thousand, a thousand, uh, season six times in the NFL. 
which wow. is pretty crazy. That, that's, wow. that's as consistent as you can be. Um, actually, with Mills last year, Cooks was a top 10 fantasy uh, points per game to go along with a top five target rate target per route run with Mills the last four games of the season. So I think that that's going to continue to just improve. They already have an established relationship. I hate to say it because BD owns him and he's very excited to have him because he's like his wide receiver five. <laughs> um, but but Brandon Cooks will again probably go over a thousand yards this season. Hey, you like him? I, I'm pretty sure he's one of those guys who's on the trade block. So you want him? He's attainable, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't want him like that. I'm not gonna give up one of my my big dogs for him. But I, I do like him. If I if he fell into my lap, I'd be happy to have him on my squad. There you go. Okay, St- stick with it with stock down on the Texans. Who you got? Stock down is none other than Marlon Mack. Oh, okay. And the the, the only reason is he he only signed a one year deal. Um. He's been plagued with injuries the past few years, and then last year, the finally, he wasn't injured. He was just stuck behind Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. He really didn't get any playing time at all. So he basically hasn't played um, any football on a consistent basis for quite a few years at this point. Um, the thing with Mac is, like, I like him as a player. I just don't know if he's going to be able to command um, enough carries to make an impact. And then with them drafting Damian Pierce out of none other than Florida Gators, um, I think it's going to be tough for him. Mm. I think that that's going to be an absolute um, carousel of a backfield. Okay. Yeah. And um, do, do you think Pierce by end of season comes out the winner, or is it going to be some guy that that's not on the roster yet, or Burkhead, or someone else? No, I think that I think that Pierce will eventually get funneled most of the carries. Yeah, he's just younger, and I mean, he doesn't have that that huge injury history list. I mean, Mac's going to be turning twenty seven here soon, so he's it'll on the tail end. It'll be a deviation from what his workload was in college, that's for sure. If he emerges as the clear leader, yeah, he didn't get many carries, but they didn't they didn't need to they didn't need to run the ball too much, I guess, at, at UF. Um, yeah. they, they were splitting it kind of like what Georgia did with um, James Cook and. Um, who else was who else was the running Zemir. back? Yeah, Zamir White, a few of those other guys. It's just like a big split backfield. So I think that it actually fits well for him right off the rip on the Texans. But eventually, I think he will get um, funneled most of those carries. Yeah. Um, okay. So last guy for me, down, stock down for the Texans is Nico Collins. Um, so I think what could have been a storyline this offseason where he had a clear path. Uh, to be the number two on this Texans team and potentially show out and be the long-term succession plan for Brandon Cooks as he kind of ages out over the next few years, has kind of gone down the drain. Um, with that aforementioned draft pick of, of John Mechie, I think that throws a huge wrench into Nico Collins' ceiling. Uh, Mechie may or may not be ready for week one, but as soon as he gets on the field, based on the draft capital and the interest they put into him. And with many draft analysts saying Mechie was a lock for a uh, uh, top 32 first-round pick prior to the ACL injury, uh, there's going to be a talent gap there that's going to be evident uh, as soon as Mechie steps on the field. And I think the the, the person that's going to hit the most is, is Nico Collins. Um, when Mechie steps on the field, becomes the number two, that's going to drop Collins you know, straight out of, uh, you know, two wide receiver sets, which I think the Texans are going to run a lot, playing two tight ends out there, Brevin Jordan uh, being the pass catcher, but he's not going to be putting much in the game, in the way of the game in terms of blocking. So that's generally going to be uh, two tight ends out there along with two wide receivers. I just, I don't see a way where, where Collins is going to do much of anything in an offense that we don't expect to be that great. Uh, it might be better year over year, but the bar is set pretty low for that objective to be achieved. I just I, I don't see a way where his stock is going up. If anything, um, I think he's one of the bigger fallers of, of what could have been uh, when the season ended to where he is now. So Nico Collins, down for me, not a fan. Yeah, that makes sense. But the the other thing about that is though those two guys are very different um, types of receivers. So I think there could be a a way for both of them to still be involved. 
Um, you know that Collins is a big, big boy, and Mechie's a little bit of a smaller, smaller type receiver. Um, so we'll see what happens with it. I still, I still kind of like Nico Collins. I'm not going to quit on him just because he's such a a great red zone target. And if him and Davis Mills, you know, really get a connection before Mechie is back, I don't think that that connection will go. Yeah, I mean, did he did he do anything last season that that really? You know, no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Him. No, no, no. He didn't. But he—he's just—he's a big target. So if they—if they learn how to use him correctly, I think that he can be. Big. Yeah, I mean, I look at Mechie and I just see like a—I see a certified baller. I mean, he's no slouch. Last year for no, Alabama, uh, ninety-six catches in thirteen games, one thousand one hundred forty-two yards, eight TDs. Uh, He—I mean, he's just—he's a guy who I just see. Really making an impact. The, the intangibles that he has, um, you know, some of the the deeper reports are that he is just a guy who is a perfectionist. He's the one who is after practice running routes by himself or sitting there with a playbook when everyone's gone home, just just really drilling. Hey, I did this wrong. How do I how do I make that? Um, how do I read the defense right? So if I have an option run, I'm running the right option for my quarterback. I just see him being one of those film grinders, one of those guys who's there early, out of the building late, um, and just turns into a real, real safety net for whatever quarterback is there long term. I like it. So if that's going to happen and Cooks isn't going anywhere with kind of you know his, his contract and, and signing a, a deal there, um, the, the only person I see to fall by the wayside is Nico. So uh, who knows? Like you said, maybe they'll coexist. I just don't see it happening. All right, let's let's wrap. Let's move on. That's a that's a that's a good review of the AFC South. Anything in terms of final points before we move on to our final segment? No, all good. Okay, so trade targets based on off-season OTA reports, aka puff pieces. Who is your first trade target recommendation um, that you want to see people go out and and spend for in their league based off the recent news? It's a guy that. Goes by the name of Brandon Ayuk. Ah, uh, he's on my list. Really? So people really? are not going to get four. Brandon Ayuk was my number two. You start, wow. I'll finish. Talk to me. Yeah, I just think that the most recent story that came out is um, Shanahan saying that they wanted to maximize um, his uh, his utility in the offense, and I just think that he's a great wide receiver he was in the doghouse all last year and i think that if him and lance develop a rapport and lance obviously is a starting quarterback which isn't a guarantee but i'm sure it will eventually be um i think that iu can be an actual beast and i had him on my team at one point and i'm kind of pissed that i gave him up because i actually tried getting him back the other day but jesse wasn't biting yeah i just think i think iu's gonna be a good good player i think he's gonna be a really good the team you traded to will trades pretty liberally so i'm sure if you put effort in you'll land him however um yeah i saw it the same way i saw this is a perfect opportunity for him to have you know almost exclusive rights to build rapport with the potential quarterback one trey lance obviously jimmy garoppolo's hurt um debo is not around he's holding out um george kittle isn't around he's hurt so it's been all 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 iuk um new quarterback so he's going to lock on to someone as a, as a young rookie QB or essentially what it will amount to his debut season. He, he had a few uh, spot starts last year, but, but uh, the sophomore QB rather in Trey Lance. And Ayuk's going to be that guy who's, who's ahead of the class already. Um, the good reports come out. The, the intangibles are there. He had a great first season. Um, things were weird last year with being in the doghouse, but he's out of it now. Um, the coaches are talking him up. Uh, all signs are pointing up for me. He's a guy based off the offseason puff I'd be a buyer of. Makes sense. All right, so we both had Ayuk. Let me give you my, my, my first guy. And it's no one other than Jahan Dodson. Is there a guy oh my, who, yeah. it, I mean, is there anyone seemingly getting more buzz this offseason than Dodson? I mean, every day there's at least... Two articles, him making a nice play. Now, why are we hearing that? It's because Terry's holding out for a new contract. He's not shown up. This has given the former Nitty Lion all the opportunity in the world to make the most of this time, 
building the rapport, very similar to what we were just talking about with Ayuk, building that rapport with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is a new QB. Nobody has rapport with him. Terry McLaurin doesn't have rapport with him. Logan Thomas is out hurt. And who's there making the plays as the presumed wide receiver one? The Dotson. It's it's Dotson. Terry's not there to play the wide receiver one. So Dotson is. Um, he's the apple of Carson Wentz's eye. And you know what? He's making the most of it. So it's something that that if if Terry doesn't get a contract, what happens as as we bleed into mandatory minicamp? Like, is this going to be one of those holdouts, dig in, the agents are involved, there's, you know, exchanges in the news, uh, news headlines and stuff between, hey, you know, I want to be there, but, you know, the team just won't pay me. Those sorts of, of, of tactics where that's fine, good for Terry, he's going to probably get the deal in the end, end uh, and, but he's missing valuable time with a new QB that he has zero rapport with, and the winner of that is Jahan Dotson. Now, Coming into the draft, there was, um, you know, a lot of talk on on the various wide receivers and who had the had the highest ceiling. One thing that really was not debated was that the best set of hands, the most sure set of hands, was owned by the one Jahan Dotson. So that kind of is he fell into a situation where. Just a couple of dominoes are lining up, and they're getting knocked down pretty one after another. Where you got a good set of hands, you got a new QB who's walking into a situation he doesn't know anyone, uh, and you got the presumed wide receiver one not showing up for money. I, that's all money for Jahan Dotson, baby. He's on a rocket ship to the moon, <laughs> and I'm on board. I love it. I hope he works out for you, man. Because you, you got you got three very very good. Um, Wide receivers that you all got in the second round. You got Mechie, you got good old boy Pickens, and you got your boy Jahan Dotson. And I think that if you get two of the two of two out of three of those guys panning out, you're smooth sailing. I mean, that's great too because you know one of them has to be one. One of them would be great because I got DeAndre Hopkins who will age out eventually, and it'd yep. be nice to have an in-house succession plan instead of having to go. Buy that on the trade market. Um, obviously, drafting that into my team in the second round will be a huge win because you're getting a really good, solid piece in your lineup uh, for cheap that way. So that that's the way that you build a dynasty. I'm just hoping one hits, and and I'm not hating what I'm hearing on Dotson. That's for damn sure. Yeah, one's gonna hit. I'm pretty sure of it. I mean, I I, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't see the future, but I I have a feeling one of those guys are gonna hit. They're all from high profile schools. We'll see what happens. All right, who do you got for your second trade? Oh, man, you know. We already talked about him. The one and only Mr. Explosion, a.k.a. E-T-N. Okay. <laughs> and you want to know why? It's because these, these articles keep coming out. Literally, Travis E.T.N. looking like his self, his old self from explosion standpoint. E.T.N.'s explosion and ability to quickly cut and make breaks stood out during pass-catching drills in OTAs. And that was all I needed to hear. It's very exciting for me because I had Etienne, I let Etienne go, and then I ended up acquiring him again, and I'm not letting that guy go. I promise so, you that. He's so you're, not going anywhere. You gobble, you're gobbling all those headlines up. You're just... You're I, just love, I just love to hear it, man, because the, the Linz Frank injury is... We already know that it's not a great injury, but the good news about it is he has a metal plate in his foot now, which means that his foot is structurally stronger than it ever was. Um, so if he can just continue to uh, improve, I think that he is going to ball out with his boy T Law. <laughs> All right, I, I I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. Um, so uh, we gave him three instead of four. Any any final name you want to sneak in there, or is it just uh, two votes for Ayuk? Oh man, let me let me take a, let me take a quick thought process. Um, I actually, I honestly, I actually like James Cook a little bit. I, the, I keep seeing that get the ball in his hands and he's going to do great things type articles for him. And mm-hmm. I think that he could be a, a really good piece to that Bills offense. He could be the missing link to it, to an already highly explosive Bills offense. Yeah. Okay. I like it. And I'll throw in um, someone from the Jets, a wide receiver in core, not named Garrett Wilson. I don't know who it is. But uh, they're all getting really good 
praise from uh, from Coach Coach Sala there. Uh, Denzel Mims, Corey Davis, they're supposedly all looking great in the best season of the best shape of their life at this point of the season. So you got a room at the end of your bench. Go get yourself a New York Jets wide receiver. One of them is going to hit. All right, as we wrap up for this pod, Turtle, tell me. Who is going to win tonight in the NBA Finals, and why is the correct answer the Boston Celtics? I actually hope the Celtics win. I, I'm, not, I'm a New York guy, but I've always had a soft spot in my heart for uh, the Celtics. Oh. I especially like Tatum. I especially like Jalen Brown, and I think that if those guys can just put it all together, they're going to win a championship. When's the last time they won a ship? 2008, I wow. want to say. Wow, so they're, they're 100% due. Is the KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce year. I like it, man. I mean, I, I do love Steph Curry, but um, I, to be honest with you, haven't been watching the basketball finals because I'm so deep into the hockey finals since, the, know, since the, Rangers the Rangers keep winning. Yeah. But um, I'll, I'll start. I'll, I'll put on the uh, I'll put on the finals tonight and, and watch it since the Rangers are uh, off tonight. All right. Well, there you have it. AFC South risers and fallers, stock up, stock down, and you got a few puff piece trade targets. Go buy Etienne. Go buy Dotson in your leagues. If you got Ayuk, two thumbs up on the Ayuk side of things. And uh, we will catch you next week. We'll talk NFC South. Catch you later, Turtle. See you guys. Thank you.